0: We're continuing our series, Counter Culture. We're in our fourth week of this, and, and the idea of this whole series, just real quick, is, is that we're looking at what sometimes how culture says we should live, and, and how the Bible says we should live, and how God calls us to live, and we're focusing on Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and the be attitudes attitudes that we're called to be. And the tagline of this series, let's see if anybody can remember is that when you encounter Jesus, and you lean into a life with Jesus, Jesus changes, everything. We're getting there. There's only four more weeks. You got it. Um, Jesus changes everything. We started week one with this idea of spiritual poorness, emptying ourselves, allowing Jesus to fill us. And you'll hear a little bit of that, that tagline in today's message. And week two talked about mourning, the idea of mourning and, and um, being in a season of pain and how we are blessed that we have a savior in Jesus. And then last week we talked about humility and meekness and what that means for us and how we should live in a position of surrender to God and today we're going to be talking about something but before we get that I want to just talk about another reason why today is a special day it's kind of been the theme for the last couple of weeks we got more playoff football today anybody excited for today you know uh, I'm not going to do a call out and everybody cheer for you. I'm just going to tell you who's going to win okay so um Uh, I I, I think that the Cincinnati Bengals are gonna beat the Kansas City Chiefs, so there it is. And for the one you guys really care about, I've been thinking really hard about this. You know, I I don't wanna stand up here in front of you and say something that's gonna make me look foolish. So I thought about this one really hard. And I, I came down to the simple fact that Pastor Dan is a man that I admire and love, and he's really close to the heart of God. And he's a San Francisco 49ers fan, so the Niners are gonna win today. That's what's gonna happen. There it is. You guys love football, I love football. I love football. I, one of my favorite things about football is a Super Bowl party. Anybody excited for the Super Bowl parties? Just a couple of us. <laughs> Anybody excited for the food at Super Bowl parties? Ooh. You know, there's nothing better when you go to someone's house and they know how to cook. You know, they, you, I pick my Super Bowl parties not by the people there, but by the ones preparing the food. I don't even have to like them. I don't, even, I don't even have to, like, be friends with them at all. I'm just, I love their wings. That's where I'm going for Super Bowl Sunday. I, I, you know, I love, you know, the dips. Everybody gets so creative with their dips and, and the chips. And, and then there's some people, there's, like, celery and carrots. You know, like, I saw somebody say yes. Like, no. Like, ah, you know, Super Bowl. Or, you know, there's just this amazing food, the burgers. Oh. Anybody else hungry? feels hungry. Well, that leads us to our passage today in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's the beatitude here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. What does it mean to be satisfied? Satisfied, becoming satisfied means to put to an end a craving or desire. That's where we become satisfied, when we put to an end a craving or a desire that we want. You know, you know when you're hungry, like most of you are because I was talking about food for the first five minutes of my message. You know when you're hungry and you start to crave it? You're like, I need to eat. Even when I started talking about foods, you craved it so much that you began to picture eating it. You begin to remember the taste. You begin to crave it and desire it. And when you become hungry, we have a natural response. What do we do? We eat. That's how we, we satisfy our hunger. And before we get into the spiritual aspect of uh, hungering and being satisfied, I want to talk about just l- like a legitimate, when it comes to food, when it comes to our hunger, we can be satisfied with food in a couple different ways. We can be satisfied when it comes to eating food to, uh, to satisfy our hunger positively. You can eat something when you're hungry and it can positively affect you. It, it can, you know, protein, fruits and veggies, I know I made fun of it earlier, but it's a good thing for you. You, know, you can eat something to satisfy your hunger and it can positively affect your body. You can also eat something to satisfy your hunger and it can poorly affect you. You know what I'm talking about? Candy bars? You know, I, I have a daughter, she always is hungry. Five years old, always hungry. Anybody else have a kid like that? Just never stops eating. one of the, he just raised his hand. <laughs> Little kid up front, that's me. I'm always hungry. Um, yeah, always hungry. And I'll offer just the greatest food. Like, yeah, do you want, do you want some noodles? Do you, do you want a sandwich? And the, her response is always the same. No, I, I want a candy bar. You know, and eventually as a parent, I wish I could say I was strong-willed, but eventually I give in sometimes. I give her a candy bar. What does she do five minutes later? She comes back, dad, I'm hungry, dad, I'm hungry. Because what she is eating to to fix her craving, to fix her desire for food, isn't benefiting her. It's not positively uh, satisfying her hunger. And there's something else, too, that kinda goes with this. You can can satisfy positively, poorly, you can also satisfy food cravings momentarily. The thing with food, with eating, it's not just a one-time thing, right? We don't just get to eat once for the rest of our lives. We have to, we, we momentarily satisfy this hunger in us. And there, I, I came across a story in Central America. There was a food item there called Nardu, Nardu. And, and this food item was very unique because they, they loved to eat it, it taste, tasted good. And they were using it to, to fill themselves up, especially when the land was in famine and there was drought or something like that. There, there was plenty of this item and they were eating this stuff to the place of complete fullness. You know I'm talking about that. After you eat that meal and you just sit on the couch like this, anybody else like that. They were eating that. They were full. But guess what started to happen? They started, people in their community started to pass away from starvation. They were eating tons of this item, Nardu. But they were passing away. They, they, were, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were dying of starvation because there was nothing beneficial in the food for them. It was just a temporary craving fix to their hunger pain. They weren't receiving the benefits from the food. And I started to think to myself, how many of us are dying spiritually? How many of us are starving spiritually because we're tricking ourselves into doing things that aren't really filling us up spiritually. They're just temporary moments to sustain us. And we're withering away spiritually. We're dying spiritually because we're using these momentary fixes, these things that just curve the craving for a moment. I read this in Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13. It says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. For my people have committed two, two evils. One, they've forsaken me. They've forsaken God. And the second is they've they've hewed out these cisterns, these things, and just so we're clear, what a cistern is, is it's it's a device to hold water, a well of the time, something that would hold water. What they're doing is they're putting cisterns out and they're filling it with things of this world, hoping that that will satisfy them. But they're broken and cracked and they leak out and they become drained. We have cisterns in our life that are like this. Things that we believe, if we, if we focus on them, we will become satisfied. If we focused on these things, we will become well. We'll be happy. Uh, the, the broken cistern, the visual I want you to see is it's a water in, water out. You pour into it, it quickly leaves. It doesn't stay like it's supposed to, to sustain you for a long period of time. What are the broken wells or broken cisterns of our culture? The first broken well or cistern of our culture is the idea of power. We rely oftentimes on power to sustain us. When we think about power, if if, if putting your faith in power, what happens in most people, it often leads to uncertainty. Power, putting your faith in power will lead you to uncertainty because you'll start to ask questions like this. Am I strong enough? Am I influential enough? Am I powerful to the point where I can do this on my own enough? It's a broken cistern in our culture. Another broken cistern in our culture is the idea of control. We put our faith in control. And if we're honest, some of us in this room this morning, we hold on to life like we're just gripping so tight our knuckles are white. We are trying to control every aspect of life and we put our faith in our own control, we'll start, to, we'll start to get angry. Because the cistern that we're pouring into, the control that we're pouring into, we'll begin to become angry. Because you know this truth, you really do deep down, as you know that you can't control everything. There's things in this world that are out of your control. So if you're putting into your cistern, the, your faith into control, you will become angry. The next one is approval. We put our faith in approval, we put our faith in approval, and what comes with that often is a mindset of rejection. You'll start to ask questions like this. Do they like me? Do they like me? And what will happen in your life if your sister is a sister of approval, and that's what your faith is, is that the people around you approve of you. That boss thinks you're great, That, that that person who you're friends with sings your praises, if that becomes your driver in life, you will become a people pleaser. You will do anything for anyone. You will do anything. You will change change how you do things in the world. You will even sometimes change your character. You you will give in to things and change who you are so people will like you. There was actually a study done um, in the NFL that showed that there was, when it comes to the two refs, refing the game, depending on which team they were closest to. So whichever sideline they were on, the, the, the numbers said that the calls would be more beneficial for the team of the sideline they were on. Now I'm not saying that they're, they're you know, I'm not gonna get into that talk, but there was statistical proof that showed that a ref on one side of the team would call harder to the team on the other side of the field. There's something about having an approval mindset that I'm close to these people and they need to approve of me so I will change who I am. I will change how I live so I can have their approval. Another broken cistern in our culture is the idea of possessions. We put our faith in possessions and what this leads to in us is a position of greed. When our faith is in possessions, we'll we'll always be asking, do we have enough? Have I obtained enough? It, I mean, sometimes possessions isn't just a something that I hold. Sometimes possessions is a status. Have I, have I climbed the ladder enough in the corporate world? There was another study done that showed they interviewed people who had made it to the corner office, the corner office being the, the highest point of a company, the, the, the people who had made it to the corner office. And as they studied their lives, they saw that there was character changes in them on the journey. That there was character sacrifices that were often made to get them to that corner office. That's a cistern or something that we're looking to uh, fill us up that is based on possessions, where we're willing to sacrifice things in our life to get where we need to go. What's the solution? I think we could all agree that in our society, we struggle, in our culture, we struggle with those four things that we just talked about. What is the solution? It's in this verse here in Matthew five. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. It's easy to read this verse here. Keep it up for just a second. It's easy to read this verse here and see the word righteousness, the word satisfied, and focus on those two words. If we're honest, most of us when we interpret this verse, we see righteousness as the main point of this line. It's not. The main point of this line is the hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. I want to ask you a very simple question, but one that I think will impact us. When's the last time you hungered or thirst for the righteousness of God? When's the last time you woke up in the morning and cried out from a position of hungry and thirsty and just crying out to God, God, above all else, I need your righteousness. I need to live righteously for you today. I need to align my life with you. The hungering and the thirsting for it is where we get lost. The overwhelming desire to pursue righteousness. Do we have that in our life? Do we have that in our life where we just have this overwhelming desire, this hunger or thirst, how it puts it here, to pursue the righteousness of God? Or if we're honest, we often just approach it with prayers like, God, if you could help me not sin today, that'd be great. We begin to rationalize things. We begin to give in in our character and how we live. We begin to conform to the, the culture of the world we live in. When's the last time we hungered for the righteousness of God? When's the last time that we've just cried out for God to fill us with his righteousness because we're so hungry for it? You know, we sing a song over the series, This is the Kingdom. In there, there's a line that says, and they will be filled. They will be filled. When's the last time we hungered and we're thirsty for the filling of righteousness in our life. When, when's the last time we did that? There's a couple of things that hinder us from getting to that point. What hinders us from hungering and thirsting for the righteousness of God? Three things, blindness. We become blind not blind physically but blind spiritually, where we become blind and we start to see the world. We start to see our environment, how the world sees it. That's where we begin to rationalize things. We don't hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God because when we're honest and we're evaluating ourselves, instead of us hungering for the righteousness of God and and praying and crying out to him, we're doing things like this. Well, God, thank you that my sin is not as great as theirs. Oh, good, good! Thank God that my sin is not as bad as theirs, and we just are okay with it. We become blind to it. We see how the world sees, and we rationalize things, and then we become our hearts become hardened. First, we are blinded; we don't see how we're called to see. We see how the world sees, and then our hearts become hardened, and we begin to think like the world thinks. We begin to think like the world thinks and we see things in our world that are broken. We see things in our society that's broken and we just, this is how it is. But with a position of hunger and thirst before God, we wouldn't see things that way, we'd see it differently. And the last way that we get, that hinders us from hungering and thirsting after God is spiritual junk food. Spiritual junk food. We talked about it a little bit. This temporary stuff. This spiritual junk food that we just do for a moment that's temporary in our life. It's stuff like this where, if we're honest, we're just trying to get that check mark on the box so we can get through our week. Like, it's, you'll start saying stuff like this. I went to small group. I did my small group thing. Check. But really, I wasn't honest. I wasn't transparent, I knew that there was a sin in me that needs to be confessed to my brothers or sisters, but I buried it down, I wasn't hungry, I wasn't thirsty for righteousness. I I came to Sunday at 11 a.m. and I sang the songs, I listened pretty well to that guy who talked for too long, but I didn't leave changed, I didn't leave and go open up the word of God and allow it to penetrate my soul. I did not go and help the least of these like it called me to do. We become hardened in our hearts when we're filled up with spiritual junk food and we start to think things like this when it comes to the least of these in our community. We start to see it how the world sees it. We start to to think how the world thinks about it we start to rationalize it by saying, well, that's just how it is. They, They must have done something that got them there. Or when we see the one who's left the 99, we don't go after the one like Christ calls us to. We begin to judge the one for what they did and we hold them accountable for what they've done. And we say, well, they deserve what they got because they've made that decision. And I sit back and I think, man, how can we get to that place because if all of us got what we deserve for what we did? No, we just are blessed to be covered by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ we begin to harden ourselves. And what's the solution for this? I know this sounds, uh, you know, this isn't like really fluffy and fun. Uh, When I'm about to say the solution, it's one of the things that keeps me up at night. I wanna have a life for Christ, where I hunger and thirst for him, deeply, Not just momentarily, but like passionately all the time. That's the life I want to have. What's the solution? How do I get over the blindness, hardness, and the spiritual junk food? It's simple. 2 Corinthians 5.10. This verse should make you shake in your boots. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. Whoa! Does that wake you up? Does that change the way you view things? That we, all of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account for how what we did, both good and evil. We will give an account for how we lived. We will give an account to him. This, this verse is just so revolutionary if you really get it. It will change your days, it will change your weeks, it will change your decisions that you will give an accounting for everything. I wrote down three things I want us to focus on when it comes to this account. If we want to get to a place of actual hunger and thirst for righteousness, a deep hunger and a deep thirst to glorify God, there's three things we need to do. Number one, stop being satisfied with junk food. Stop being satisfied with quick junk food fixes to your faith. You know, there was this, uh, do you know that when restaurants, when they want to push fries on the menu, do you know what they put on the menu? Salad. Isn't that weird? They don't put the fries, they put the salad. Because they know that most of us in American culture are gonna look at the salad and go, doesn't look great, let's flip to the fry page. Yeah, you know, we do that spiritually. You don't think that the enemy is distracting you with good things? You don't think that the enemy is distracting you with things that are on the spiritual side, outside of spirituality with God, where you're leaning into things and trusting in things that are broken cisterns, and you're taking it as a truth and you're putting your faith into it. You don't think the enemy is like that menu? Where he's tricking you? He's trying to deceive you from that? You can't be satisfied with spiritual junk food. This is why sometimes, and I'm gonna say this, you're gonna get mad at me, it's okay, it's all right. Do you know what I pray for sometimes? Persecution. Persecution. Sometimes I pray for it. Because I look at the American church today and I look at my own life, and we have become so satisfied with just spiritual junk food just checking our box for an hour a week or 30 minutes a week, we become so satisfied with it. And it's because we aren't faced with persecution where we're running for our life, for the gospel of Jesus. We're not faced with persecution where at any moment our life could be taken from us because we proclaim the name of Jesus. We have become spiritually lazy. There's a quick fix to that, it's persecution. It, it, hey, I tell you, when you face persecution, it's hard to be spiritually lazy. I pray for it because I want to hunger and thirst. I don't want to just fill up on the easy stuff, the quick stuff. Second thing, if we want to hunger and thirst for God, we need to realize that faith is a journey, not an event. Your faith is a journey. My faith is a journey, not an event. Sometimes we view our faith as a service time, Sometimes we view our faith as a song, a moment that's going to fix us. And we just settle for these moments. And we don't think of it as the long journey. We don't develop a lifestyle of hunger and thirst for God. We only satisfy in moments. We don't develop a lifestyle of service to God that out of our hunger and out of our thirst, we're in a position of service to him every moment of every day. It will change the way you live. Because when you look at that passage in 2 Corinthians that we will give an account, do you ever think about what that line's gonna be like? I mean, let's have some fun here. We're standing in line. Over the horizon, I see the gates. I'm about to give my account. I probably stand in line and I feel pretty good about what I did. I mean, I, I, attended some, uh, I went to church at least twice a month. I read the Bible when I had time for it. I prayed when I had time for it. I even, I even sacrificed sometimes watching a Netflix show to pray with my spouse. Feeling good in the line about the account I'm about to give. And then I look to my left And I see someone and I'd be, hey, what'd you do? What are you about to say? Well, I spent every day hungry and thirsty for Jesus Christ. I had to because I ran for my life in the underground uh, underground church in Asia where it was illegal for me to be a Christian. And I had people in my church where we memorized passages of the Bible, whole books. Because if we got caught with the Bible in our hands, it would kill us. So the whole church would memorize whole passages and when I would call to preach on it, I would stand up and I would say you preach John one and they would say it line for line and we ran every day and met in different locations. We never were settled, but I was always satisfied because I had hunger and thirst for Jesus. Well, I'm not talking to that person anymore. Let's go over here. What'd you do? Well, I, I, one day I really started to believe what God said. It became not about an event or a service or a time. It became real to me. And I went and I dedicated my life to the needy. Once a week, I would open up my home and I would have people over for dinner. I would feed. That was my gift. It changes things. It changes things. When I when I say I don't have time, when I say I don't, I I know you're busy. I know we're busy but raise your hand if you have 24 hours in a day. Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, I don't know what day you're living in. We all have 24 hours in a day. And when we say we don't have time to pray, we don't have time to pursue the righteousness of God, we don't have time to get into his word, what we're really saying is it's not a priority. We all have the same amount of time. We all just prioritize our time differently. I want to get to that line and stand before the gates and say, I hungered and thirsted for the righteousness of God every day. I sacrificed every day. And the last thing, we need to detox. Most of you know what a detox is. It's the emptying out of the bad stuff. We need to detox our souls. Eliminate the stuff that we've, and faking, eliminate the bad stuff in our life, eliminate those things that are just corrupting us. Make room for the good stuff. Make room for the hunger and thirsting. Detox, get rid of some stuff to make room for Jesus to fill you. I saw so many New Year's resolutions this year. All great, I'm gonna get healthy, I'm gonna do this, all great. How many of us made a New Year's resolution this year to detox our life and to make more room for Jesus, to stop going to that event and dedicate it to him instead, to stop doing this to glorify myself and to dedicate it to him instead? That's what hunger and thirst for righteousness looks like. I know this is a hard message to hear because we live in a world that calls us to different directions, but I don't We don't get to opt out of stuff like this because we live in a busy world. We are called to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. It should change how we live, amen? So where do we start? The Psalm in 139 is a prayer we can start to pray over ourselves. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Some of us just need to dive into that over and over again. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for today and we thank you for our time with you. Pray that you would... Spur us on in this area of hunger and thirst for you and your righteousness. Let us not just say it, let us do it. Father, we love you. We love you. And we pray all these things in your son's holy name. Amen.